Transportation Matters, the CEO podcast of Daimler Truck. Welcome to Transportation Matters. My name is Martin Daum. I'm the CEO of Daimler Truck, and I hope all of you are well and healthy. Thank you all so much for being with us again. With this new episode, we are starting the fourth season of our podcast, and our topic today is motivation and competition. So today we want to discuss what business and sports can learn from one another when it comes to motivating yourself and others, and when it comes to competing in the marketplace or in the sports arena. And I'm glad we have the perfect guest for this discussion today, Britta Heidemann. Britta Heidemann is the first EPE fencer in history who won the golden triple. That means she was Olympic, world and European champion simultaneously. Altogether, she won three Olympic medals at three Olympic Games and many more international medals. This makes her one of the most successful fencers of all time. Britta Heidemann officially ended her sports career in 2018. Today, she's a busy in many roles, for example, as a business consultant or as a speaker on China-related topics. Because as many people may not know, China was not only the subject of her studies, but she also lived there for quite a while and speaks this difficult language. Britta, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Martin. So delighted to be part of your podcast today. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, and before we go to motivation and competition, let's start with China, because for me, that's really fascinating. Having someone on the show who lived there, who really understands the culture. If you think of Germany or Europe and China, what are the biggest thing we have in common, both cultures, and what are the biggest differences and therefore cause of trouble sometimes? Yeah, I mean, going to China always means that you have a major culture clash, that's for sure. But most surprisingly, uh, people would not think the Germans and the Chinese are pretty much going well side by side, which is uh, because uh, both parties are really goal-oriented. But the way they are goal-oriented is quite different, speaking of differences. So the Germans would start um, making a plan from A to Z, right? <laughs> you would know. Uh, whereas the Chinese, they start at A and like kind of sneak their way through all the other letters to Z. <laughs> but in the end, the approach is different, but the attitude is the same. So both cultures are very hardworking. So business-wise, we really get along together very well. And as I said, the biggest difference is that the Germans would be straightforward, I would say. And the Chinese, they would never say no. They find a way around saying no and uh, like in a very bloomy kind of version of finding sentences around it. And for, for the Germans, I would say quite unnerving from time to time, but in the end, quite funny to deal with different cultures, I feel so. Like if you inform yourself beforehand making business there or, or with the Chinese, you should be quite happy doing business with them. Yep. Interesting country. And for me, that's uh, as a global company, it's indeed a big challenge. But on the other side, the biggest reward to get to know those different cultures. One thing what's for me typical German is we try to understand the other cultures to adopt to that. Did a Chinese ever ask you how he or she has to adopt to deal with Germans? Very good point. I used to discuss about that question a lot because I also feel over-adapting is not 
the solution of making successful business or successful politics or successful diplomacy. So you should stand your point, I feel, and you should not give up being a German or you know, like the, the German ethics around business. But I think it's just, um, on the other hand, an advantage to know your opponent, if we move to the sports or to the fencing side, like never wrong to understand your opponent and what your opponent is up to. I only feel like if you know how your business partner would possibly react, you can use it more to play the cards well, I would say. Hey, great answer. Yeah. And so we go now to the world of sports and motivation and competition and what can we learn for business of it. When it comes to motivation, someone who is doing sports and on, on a level like you did, training and getting up for exercise is potentially the biggest challenge you have during that career. How was it with you? What made you tick to get every morning to the gym and that day after day, year after year? You know, I, I keep telling people who ask me like, oh, I'm not motivated. How can I be more motivated? I really love this question now because I can tell people, you know what, if you're not motivated, then just stay on your sofa and just do nothing. Like um, in the end, we're all grown ups, and um, it's your own responsibility to find something that uh, really pushes you, that motivates you, that keeps your inner fire burning. That's um, my basic standpoint. And then you need to be aware at some point, like, you know, as an athlete, you start going to training every day, like from a very early age on. You do understand after a while that not every day is a happy day. Not every day you're super motivated. Not every day you want to go to training. But in the end, like summing up, you get something out of it. So you develop a strategy how to deal with the phases or the days that you're not as motivated. Firstly, You need to be aware that um, motivation does come back once you go through the phase. And secondly, um, once you're in the phase, I think the best way to deal with it is to, for example, go to training and then concentrate or focus on a little detail, like in the environment, talking to your um, teammates, talking to the coach, uh, trying to laugh a little bit. And also within the, the fencing lessons, like the technical uh, lessons, just uh, try to get better at one single thing that you really like and that you really love, like um, some actions that you really like and then repeating them a hundred times or something like that. And then the next day you wake up and you're motivated. If you compare self-motivation and the influence of a coach, how would you say it? 100% self and zero coach or only coach and nothing you or something in between? What's the percentage? What's self-motivation? What's coach? The secret to motivation, I feel, is to know what and who is motivating you. So it does not need to come all from yourself. But if you are going for a goal, if you want to accomplish something, you have to develop a surrounding and an environment where people can push you from time to time. That is basically what I did all the time. I would never put on my running shoes and go running all by myself. So I was thinking, who likes pushing me in, into doing that? That was my dad, for example. Like he, he every day he's like, oh, come, come on, Britta, let's go for a run. And then um, you need to find the coaches who can push you or who, who can direct you. At some point, I think a week before the Olympics in Beijing, which I um, eventually won, I had all kinds of emotions coming up and um, I felt like I was emotionally too loose and not um, focused enough. So I called my teammate who kind of pushed me. And then I was too anxious. Then I called my brother to calm me down. 
No, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I would say that's on the management side the same. I mean, first of all, it starts with the target. You know, what's your target? How do you set the target? Why you are doing things? Secondly, it has to be fun. Yeah, you have to love what you do. I think you can't push yourself something you don't love. If you wouldn't love sports, but if I look at your resume, you were always in sports. You know, I think you started with athletics and you you did swimming and then you did modern, uh, how, how it's in English? Yeah, pentathlon, yeah, which is nearly everything. And then you ended up in fencing and started to become a great fencer. It means you loved sports, yeah, and so you have to do something you really, truly love. I do love improvement. And I think that counts for probably all successful people in the world. Like um, you need to be eager to be better the next day than you are today. And for me, um, honestly, doesn't really count if it's uh, fencing or some, some sort of business or any uh, other area in life. I really like the feeling of getting better and working on a project and um, then kind of getting to finishing it. Like you and your business have so many projects that you approach with your team and you lead and direct. And I think for, for me, that is fun. Yeah, the targets are important, but at what point of time in your career you set an Olympic gold medal as a target or you had you ever the gold medal as a target? Interestingly, um, for me, I did not start fencing to become an Olympic champion, but because I really thought the sport was really exciting and very mental and uh, very challenging psychologically. And I can remember the first time I went to the German championships, um, I became a third last of the competition. And my only goal was to do better the next year. <laughs> okay. And, and better and better. And so that's how I suddenly ended up in, in the national team. And I think in like the daily life and normal life, that, that is how you mentally are best prepared for reaching something really big to not start here and think about the, the period in 10 times. But as you said, I think you said earlier, like uh, have your little goals in between. Yeah. yeah and, and then go like step by step. So you, you would say that the short term improvement is much more important than the big Mount Everest you have to climb one day. Yeah, I mean, in business, it's a little bit different. In sports, it's self-explanatory, right? I mean, the big picture is uh, world championships. The big picture is the Olympic Games, which is only going there is a dream come true for most athletes. I didn't really have to think about that goal. I mean, that was self-explanatory, as, mm -hmm. as I said. And then the little steps, I think, are far more important. I have so many teammates who were just overloaded and just could not perform at all because they always thought, oh, if I do well in this competition and if I get a medal here or a medal there, then I will be qualified for the world championships and so on. And all this pressure is just pushing you down so hard which on the other hand was always an advantage for me because I, I kind of kept in, in my little world and only thought about like, how can I achieve the next point? How can I win the next match? Which uh, in the end turned out to be a really good strategy. I have experience when I look at people working in our company, some come with a huge self-motivation and you rather have to calm them a little bit down. So to do smaller steps instead of the one big leap, but others, you know, they need the pressure. They need the consistent push because they don't see the potential they have in themselves. And I would say, uh, how, how do you see that? Is this more personal, how you're wired or is it more a general thing, which happens to everyone? 
I think most important is to know yourself about these things. So I think if you want to achieve something, you need to know and you, you need to look in the mirror and analyze yourself. What kind of a person am I? Can I do um, like the big leap, as you said, like um, all self-motivated or do I need a team around me who pushes me? I think that's quite an interesting uh, question, to be honest. That also counts for setbacks and successes that you always know where you stand, what you can reach. Um, I did not have the exact goal to become Olympic champion or go to the Olympics, but I always knew I can do better and I want to do more. And I was super motivated to kind of climb the stairs. And again, without self-responsibility, without self-motivation, no way you can reach what, uh, like or also a guy in your position, like you don't get to that position if you don't believe in yourself and if you don't have a super good self-reflection, that is the basis of everything. Yeah, it's interesting. And the big one is managing expectations. And we have always a discussion. Are you rather going in with a little bit less than you actually internally want to achieve? So you surprise mm -hmm. positively or you target something which is really a stretch and then you might come a little bit short but you still have the higher targets. I yeah. Which one was for you the more successful strategy? Both, actually. I, I don't think that you have to find like a ground rule. Okay, I have to uh, go for the long stretch or only do um, like step-by-step -step things, but uh, I decide by project. I think we are allowed to manipulate ourselves like psychologically. So you can always decide either or the other way, whatever fits better for your like the situation that you're in, which project you are targeting it and what mental condition you or your team are in. So like there's always a time and place for different strategies. And for me, the most um, interesting part that I learned from the Chinese is exactly what I mentioned in the beginning. Like um, you are allowed to adapt. Like if, if plan A doesn't work and just change your strategy. So basically when I uh, knew I was qualified for the games, in Beijing because that was my uh, like I was ranked world number one and I had just won the world championships of course I was going to go for the Olympic champion title uh, which brings us to another thing where I see the biggest difference between sports especially fencing and us in business if you go in a fencing tournament like the Olympics 50 people participating there will be 49 losers at the end of the day yeah? 49 fencers will end their competition with a defeat and there is only one winner How do you deal actually with that defeat? Yeah, and you didn't want every tournament, so you had a lot of defeats during your life. Yep, potentially <laughs> more, more than uh, wins. <laughs> no, I love that question too, because people would assume from runner up on, there's only losers in sports, but uh, we must not forget that there is uh, like triathlon as a mass sport, marathon as a mass sport. Like people are super happy becoming like 856th of a marathon run and still be super um, proud of themselves. Sports is not about only being the champion, but also about reaching the top of your potential. My potential was becoming Olympic champion or was the, like being the best in the world. So for me, it would have been a disaster if I would have ended up uh, in a 10-year career only being like a world ranking number 10, never winning a medal or so. But for most others who are realistically taking their chances or know what they are capable of, for them, it's the best thing ever to qualify for the Olympics. So for them, they're already winners going there. 
I mean, uh, your your company would not be happy about being a runner up in, in your competition, right? But like, it's a potential question. Yeah, and I understand that. And for us, it's not just that we defeat another one. Yeah, for us, it's to have happy customers, to have a great product, to push technology forward. You know, there could be many wins. And there could be many winners out there. There is not that one company that owns it all. And that's not the one loser who loses it always. Exactly. Yeah, so, but that makes in your sport so brutal, yeah, that it's either me or you. And it's no win-win situation, actually. Yeah, as I said, I think um, I probably assume maybe in the competitions, five people are unhappy to not be the winner because they could have won. And the rest is just happy to be competing. And is, uh, I'm, I'm saying the opposite. I think there is a lot of winners in sports. And um, it's not about uh, winning a competition only, but reaching your um, personal potential. Yeah. What role played the past when you were later a more mature athlete? For example, after winning the Olympic gold, was it rather something which was an obstacle, which was difficult to overcome, like complacency, or was it more motivation because, you know, I can do it? That was quite hard, to be honest, especially after I have uh, won the Worlds and then um, the Olympic Games. 2008, you know, I, I was uh, like world ranking number one. I, at that point, had already won like, uh, let's say, 10 international medals. Like what well, I was just on top and um, uh, media kept on and my environment, they kept asking me like, what is coming now? Well, are you still motivated? Don't you want to quit now? Like, don't you want to finish your career with uh, this success? So that was, was when I was uh, really struggling with myself if I wanted to continue or not and um, how to stay motivated. And I don't know, what was it? Winning another medal, yet another medal, yet another Olympic medal. I wasn't quite sure for maybe like half a year, a year, if I really wanted to do that. And then I got back to the question, do I love fencing? Do I love going to training? Do I love my environment? Do I love the traveling that is uh, coming with it? And then I, I told myself, yes, I do enjoy it. I do love my job. And um, that for me is like in, in the first place motivation at all. Because for us, it's a, it's a very important question because you might know Gottlieb Daibler invented the first truck more than 120 years ago. And since then, we are at the top of the world markets when it comes to heavy-duty trucking. Yeah, so we have really a huge history. We, we survived many crises, many transformational changes, always on the winner side. Now, is this... In my opinion, it's a huge confidence maker that we will survive the next uh, transformation, the transformations after the, those transformations we don't even know yet because we are a strong company, we're a global company, yada, yada, you know, a lot of strengths. Or is it something which makes us complacent and then comes this newcomer and kicks that out? Would you <laughs> rather focus on that strengths from the past as, uh, or would you rather completely forget about it and says it's only about tomorrow, it's all about we start at zero? What would be your advice? I mean, of course, you come with great confidence and that is the perfect basis to adapt to all the new challenges that come from new competitors and new customer marketplace. I don't know if in trucks the customers really are changing or, or in what way they are changing. 
But I think um, um, probably you also need to adapt, right? To, to yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. New environments and challenges. I mean, yeah, and we only survived the last 120 years because By we adapting, adapted right? yeah. always. Yeah, if we would do the business similar like what the Daimler in the late 19th century, I think we would be dead by now. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's always this change, but your strengths comes out that you can change. Your strengths come exactly. out. Exactly, and I, we see uh, an opposite to Daimler trucks. <laughs> There has been a lot of world-leading companies, uh, also from Germany in the, let's say, past 10 years, who were overconfident about their strength and really did not see They didn't see it coming that they had to change and adapt to a new field of competitors, a changing global world. And now have to look up to the others and think about uh, how to get back. I mean, I do give a lot of keynote speeches in those companies and it's under the topic how to get back to the top. <laughs> they basically uh, like they slept. Yeah, and I, I can imagine in your career after you won that triple, uh, everyone wanted to beat Rita Heidemann, because that meant, meant something for other fences in the world. If someone beats you after 2008, yeah, now I really... Life got it. hard after that. Before that was just only fun and then it got really hard. <laughs> Being on oh, top sure. is hard. Britta, thanks so much for that great confirmation and for all your insights. With that, I'd like to thank everyone out there for listening. That's it for today. Please join us again for our next episode of Transportation Matters, because transportation truly matters for all of us. Until then, take care and stay healthy. Thank you. That was Transportation Matters, the CEO podcast of Daimler Truck. If you enjoyed what you've heard, share this episode and subscribe to Transportation Matters on your preferred podcast platform. You can do this by tapping the follow or subscribe button right next to the podcast title. 